I did a marketing subject at university and I've seen the kind of content that is still taught in marketing and it's very much based around this transactional approach where you're defining objectives and you're listing marketing strategies and you're reviewing the effectiveness and that's something that any company can do it's very hard to do better than anyone else it's it's expensive if you're paying for every single thing that you want to do and if every company does it it gets more and more expensive due to supply and demand and it's never worked for me so what is the answer to effective marketing today Well, in this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, we aim to find that out as we explore the idea of compound marketing and beer. Let's go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 171 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, and I am your host, Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. And it's my role to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective video marketing. Now, in today's episode, we're not talking specifically about video marketing, but instead about marketing more generally, some bigger concepts around what makes for effective marketing today in 2020. My guest today is Dan Norris. He's the author of his new book called Compound Marketing, How Smart Entrepreneurs Use Asset-Building Marketing Strategies for an Unfair Growth Advantage. Now, I just wrapped up reading this book over the weekend, and I highly encourage you to pick up a copy of this book on Amazon after listening to today's episode. So as I said, my guest today is Dan Norris. Now, Dan is a serial entrepreneur, award-winning content marketer, international speaker, and the author of five number one Amazon best-selling business books, including The Seven Day Startup, which you may have heard of before. With over 65,000 copies sold, Dan's books have been translated into 13 languages and inspired thousands of people around the world to launch their businesses, with many resulting in six and even seven-figure businesses. Dan currently works full-time as the co-founder and CEO of one of Australia's fastest growing craft beer breweries, Black Hops Brewing, just down the road from me on the Gold Coast here in Australia. And let me tell you, as well as being responsible for some inspirational business books, Dan and his co-founders at Black Hops Brewing are also responsible for a delicious range of beers as well. Now I'm excited to bring you this interview with Dan Norris all around the power of compound marketing, which is obviously what his book is about. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into the four key pillars of compound marketing, which is brand, storytelling, content, and community. And I know you're going to get a whole bunch of ideas about thinking differently about your marketing for your business after listening to today's show. So that's enough from me. Let's jump on into my interview with Dan Norris, author of Compound Marketing. Dan Norris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited because I've, I've, I've had you on my radar for a while. In fact, you've been on my radar personally, just in the world of entrepreneurship and on, on online business and all that sort of stuff. And of course, the world of craft beer for a while now. Um, and so I'm excited to get you on the show to talk about your new book. But for people that haven't heard about Dan Norris before or come across any of your previous books or businesses, can you uh, fill us in on, on who you are and what you do and what you do today? 
Yeah, well, um, I, I guess I started out doing web design, for, sort of did it for many years uh, as my own sort of small agency, I guess you'd call it, but just me and one or two other people. Didn't go very well, <laughs> just kind of kept it going for many years and I ended up trying lots of other businesses. Most of those didn't go well either. Um, and I did one, which is a WordPress support business called WP Curves that did go well. And I ended up growing that, um, selling it to GoDaddy and then um, turning my attention towards my current business, which is Black Hops, uh, which is a brewery in Australia. We've got three We've got three breweries, soon to be four, I suppose. Um, and we're, we're one of the bigger sort of independent craft breweries now in, in a quaint Queensland where we are. Um, I feel a bit guilty though on, on this show because I, I don't do a whole lot of video stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, the video is one of those things that I want to do more of, but I've, over the years I've kind of built a passion for building businesses through content in various ways. Um, and obviously video is a, a big part of that these days, a massive part of that these days. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I think it, it, anyone who hasn't followed your story, you know, probably hears that introduction and it feels like there's a lot of different stuff going on there. But, um, you know, I think, you know, yeah. underlying all of that is this, this thread of entrepreneurship and, and, and just like you said, growing, building businesses and whether that be a brewery, which is your focus now, um, which is, Fortunately for me, just down the road from me on the Gold Coast, I'm on the Sunshine Coast and you're on the Gold Coast. And so, uh, and you've just opened up in Brisbane as well. So I'm excited about that. So anyway, that's not going to be relevant to many people listening to the show here. But Beer is always relevant to everyone. Beer is relevant, absolutely. <laughs> but I did want to bring you on to talk about your, your passion for content and marketing. And particularly, uh, your new book is called Compound Marketing. I first came across you uh, after you'd written The Seven Day Startup, which is one of your, uh, I don't know if it's your most popular book or how you would describe it, but... Um, yes, it's all been downhill since then. <laughs> that, that, one's, that one's sold more than all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that people listening have probably come across it at some point perhaps as well. So, <laughs> um, and at that time, after reading The Seven Day Startup, I started following you and I realised you, you, you lived kind of semi-locally to me as well. And I actually went through a process of a seven-day startup challenge that you were running at the time and tried to kick off a little side hustle <laughs> idea, which didn't actually go anywhere, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and really validated the, the concepts you shared around starting and growing businesses in that book. But now a new book. You've had a couple of books since then, but now Compound Marketing. Can you tell me why, why write a new book now? Because it's not about beer, this one, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not, it's not about beer. I did write a book about how we built the brewery as well because it just seems I, – I just seem to like writing books. I don't really know why. I just discovered after writing the first one that it was pretty enjoyable. Um, but this one, yeah, I, every time I write one, I kind of think, well, actually, I don't really have too many more ideas, so I probably won't write another one. But then I just think of another idea that seems like it could turn into a big enough idea for a book. And, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't write a book just for the fun of it or just – to have a business card I'm not using it to sell anything. Um, you know, there's no upsells. I don't do anything with my personal brand anymore. I don't sell anything other than Amazon has the books for sale and audible. Um, but it, I, I guess reflecting on this business and previous businesses and the content I'd put out before, like the content I'd put out before was very much around, um, you know, the importance of creating content in a business, but, but I hadn't put a lot out about some of the other t 
topics that had really led us to build this business in a pretty unique way. And I started thinking about what those things were and, and what were the, this kind of approach that I take with marketing. Um, it's broader than just creating a lot of content. And so I started thinking about what is it really? Um, and I thought, you know, we put a lot of effort into branding and designing. It's something I talk about really often. Um, we put a lot of effort into storytelling in a whole bunch of different ways, um, content obviously. And then we put a huge amount of effort into breaking our audience down into different communities of people and engaging with those communities in, in various ways. And all of those things to me are things that kind of, they're, they're like little investments that you make. Um, I guess with marketing, you can do a whole bunch of different things and, the, the types of marketing I do are things where we're, we're kind of making little investments in things and they're growing out over time. Like if you, if you release a podcast episode like, like this one, you know, it'll get a bit, it'll get a few eyeballs at the time, which is great. But if you do it over a long period of time that then you'll develop, you know, natural rankings in, in the store and you'll develop an audience and you'll develop a brand and you, you'll develop relationships and all, all these things, every single episode you put out ends up compounding and growing the thing as a whole. Mm. And not many marketing tactics give you that. Like if, if you know, if you, if you go out and take Google ads for people searching for beer, that's not going to help you a year's time from now. Um, you know, it, it might actually hinder you in a way. It'll probably make the search terms more competitive and more expensive. And then a year from now, you have to pay more for the same traffic. Um, so, so this idea of sort of only doing the sort of marketing that goes up in value, um, sort of crystallized to me as, as a kind of a compounding effect. And I hadn't heard people use that term before and the domain was available. <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought it would be a cool topic. And plus I had a lot more stories to tell. Um, the business I'm in now has changed so much. It's grown so much. It's turned into something really significant compared to anything I've done before. And um, there's a lot of stories and a lot of ways we go about things that I thought were relevant to other business owners and around that topic of compound marketing. I love that idea and I love the the concept that you've kind of uncovered there. And I guess it's it's not necessarily new, but the the frame that you you kind of place it in and the and the way that you explain the value of compound marketing, I think is 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 really awesome. And you know, I think it, it's the idea of looking at marketing as a long game, right? And I think yeah. you know there are particularly certain types of content marketing people get the long game approach. Podcasting is one of those. YouTube often is one of those. Um, in the world of video, you actually, you mentioned in the book that you believe most people treat marketing in a transactional way. Like, you know, we need to do three marketing campaigns this month, or we need to spend $50,000 on marketing this month. So it, what's wrong with that transactional approach to marketing? Well, I think it's not so much about what's right and wrong. It's like my, um, I guess my entrepreneurial journey has always been about trying to find out what works for me. And um, I did a marketing subject at university and I've seen the kind of content that is still taught in marketing. And it's very much based around this transactional approach where you're defining objectives and you're listing marketing strategies and you're re reviewing the effectiveness. And, and that's something, that's something that any company can do. Um, it's very hard to do better than anyone else. It's, it's expensive if you're paying for every single thing, that you want to do. And if every company does it, it gets more and more expensive due to supply and demand. Um, and it's never worked for me. So um, for me personally, an approach 
where you're kind of building up a very unique position over time has always worked better. And it's taken a long time to get here. It's not like it's, it's not like you can, you can buy, you know, compound marketing ads and they pay for themselves straight away. It's taken a very long time to get to the point where, you know, I've built brands that market themselves in a way and the, and the audiences market themselves. Um, we don't pay for marketing. We, we do very, very, very little amount of paid marketing. And, and even if you, if you look at our P&L, what we put to marketing, it's not really marketing. There's like, like we do a small amount of kind of like, you know, core flute signs in bottle shops or, or whatever where our product is sold. But like, like we don't have a budget for paid ads. We don't do any Facebook ads. We don't do any billboards. We, we don't do like generic marketing things that you would learn at university. Um, and because of that, we are able to operate in a business that is very difficult financially because it's, you know, beer is very expensive to make and uh, very competitive and it gives us a pretty unique advantage. And um, yeah, whether it's right for everybody, that, that may, may not be the case. There, there might be other breweries out there who, who do very well with paid ads, um, but there's probably another book you can buy on that one. This is, this is more about me telling what works for me. And if it resonates with, with other people, it hopefully is an opportunity for them to kind of think about the options with their marketing and think about, well, are there some things I can do that aren't sort of transactional in nature or more investment like in nature? Yeah, cool. I'm interested before, before we dive into compound marketing specifically, I'm interested to hear your take on the difference in your mind between marketing and advertising do you see them as distinct or do you see them as one and the same or what are your thoughts on that well yeah i think they're different i mean advertising to me is a very specific tactic um which is something we basically never do um marketing is a is a broad term for you know how do you how do you be relevant to people who are in your audience of customers and um it's much more interesting to me than advertising, although there are some good ads out there, but marketing is much more, much broader and, and there's much more possibility. If you're thinking about something in terms of like, you know, how do you be relevant to a group of people? There's so many ways to do that. And there's, there's so many really fun ways to do that too. And um, like with our, our business, we have an ambassador group where we've got, I think almost 3000 people in there, not the web, trying to get the numbers up because I think the small, the smaller the group, the better in a lot of cases, but it's a super active group. You know, our brand is very relevant to these people. They get behind us every time we need votes on something or any kind of support. Um, you know, they buy our products, they talk about our products constantly. And to me, all of that is marketing, but, but there's no tactic in there really other than investing in the community. And a lot of that is um, because of the way we built that up over time. A lot of it is self-sustaining. It's kind of, like, like we, like we don't have a marketing person. Um, I, I don't have anyone going into that group and posting regularly about, you know, things we're doing. Like, like we'll, we'll post in there if, if we launch a beer, but like, like we don't have to. And there's probably a thousand conversations every month and only three or four are posted by us. It's, it's become this kind of organic thing. That's, it's like an outsourced marketing department that, that we don't have to pay for. Yeah. Like a community, right? Yeah, and it's much more. I think it's it's better because it doesn't feel like advertising. The, the, the problem with advertising is it's identifiable as advertising. And I think con I think content marketing was kind of going down this path where uh, something I talk about in the book, where 
you know, you had companies like Red Bull doing all these crazy stunts that was great content marketing. And that's, that's kind of what, what I thought at the time was like the pinnacle of content marketing, but really there's a better way to do content marketing. And, and that is in an invisible sense where you're not jumping out of a rocket from space dressed up in Red Bull gear. You're just going about your business and being relevant to the communities that you're in. Um, and that in itself is enough to market the business or, or, or stay relevant in those communities. And um, that, that to me is a much more powerful and organic way to do content marketing. And it feels less like marketing and um, feels less like advertising. Yeah, I love it. So in the book, you talk about kind of four key things in compound marketing, the idea of brand, storytelling, content, and community. And you kind of simplify that. And I really love this, the simplicity of this statement that it's all about building a brand and telling a story via content to your community. Simple as that, right? That creates compound marketing. Can we break yeah. each one of these down? Is that okay if we just dive in a little bit into yeah. each one of these? And we'll start with, with brand. So what's the role of brand in, in marketing? Yeah, well, I, th I think um, th this was sort of one of the things I thought about first when I thought about like what how do we, how do we go about marketing our business if it's not just putting out content? Cause obviously content is a big part of it. We're putting out enormous amounts of content these days, mostly on social media, as opposed to kind of writing blog posts, although we do that as well. Um, but we also put an enormous amount of work into the way our product looks and, and the way it, we present it. Um, and that could be, and, and you know, I've, I've noticed very, very specifically, that when we do a really good job with presenting the product in a certain way, it will directly translate into sales. Like, like the, the example I'll give you is this year for our birthday, um, every year we, we do a, a beer or two to celebrate the birthday. Uh, this year, I really wanted to, to do it as good as we possibly could because I knew that if we put a lot of effort into the way we presented the new products we were doing, um, it was going to achieve a much better result. And so we didn't do any advertising or, or marketing for it. But what we did do was we, we, it was a fourth birthday, so we decided to do four beers. Um, we did four 40 mil cans, which was the first time we'd done that. So they visually looked more impressive, but they also had the number four in them, which was a nice touch. Um, we, it's a new designer did a really, really minimalist looking design for these cans because we knew people were going to buy them anyway. The, the, the design's job was not to sell the beer when, you know, when they came in because I knew if we did a good enough job, they would be coming in with every intention of buying the beer regardless of how it looks. So, so the effort we went to for the design was really just about making sure when we told people we were putting these products out that they looked amazing and they got people excited. Um, and we did four beers. We announced one every day until the birthday. And then when we launched it on the birthday, we had people lining up from eight o'clock in the morning. Um, we had people getting paid by Airtasker to sit in line to get these beers. We had a lineup all the way down the street and down the next street. Um, and that was all because of brand. Like, like, like the product obviously is very important and the type of beer, but every post we put up went better than any post we'd done before. It got a huge amount of traction, huge amount of comments. Um, and it was because we put a lot of effort into the way it looked. And this, this is something we do all the time. And to the average entrepreneur, it might seem crazy to put that much effort into something that disappears in a couple of hours. 
Um, but this is the approach we take and it's very, very powerful and, and it replaces a lot of, um, it replaces a lot of cost cutting and it replaces a lot of advertising if you want to get eyeballs on your product just by making it look good. Yeah. And um, I think it compounds with other, other areas as well because if you're like you're on a video marketing show or I'm on, I'm on a video marketing show here, um, visuals are very, very important. And now with social media, like having a really nice looking product and a really nice looking photo for the product could be the difference between the post not getting seen at all versus being the best post you've ever put on social media. Um, and so it's, it's a, it, it just, to some people it might seem like a lot of effort to do all that branding packaging, get professional photos and all that stuff, especially when you're doing a lot of these beers, like we'll do a hundred beers this year probably. And we probably give this some sort of version of this treatment to half of them. Um, and, to the average person might seem like overkill, but, but to me, it's a form of marketing that's, that's very powerful um, and it elevates the value of the product. And in, in, in an industry like ours, like a lot of others, it's very, very competitive, very, very um, financially difficult, very hard, hard to sell beer without discounting, which, which we, don't, you know, we don't do a lot of. And so focusing in on the brand is such a critical thing. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's, it's an important part of any business and it was something that I did a lot with my other business as well, even though it was only an online WordPress support business, it didn't need the world's best sexiest website or logo, but I put a, a lot amount of money and time into making sure that our brand looked like the best brand in the world for what we did. And I think it pays dividends to do that. And I think the average entrepreneur doesn't value it highly enough and treats branding like something they can easily outsource to people who don't know anything about it. And I think that's a, a massive mistake. I think that's that's a really a really good point that I want to make sure hits home for our listeners because, you know, brand is really it's a gut feel at least in the initial brand impression. You know, it's that emotional connection that people make with a with a brand with a business, and it, you can quickly get the wrong emotional connection if the brand sucks. You know, if you haven't put the effort into design and branding, so you've got that value of brand in that initial impression. But then the compounding effect of brand, which I think is the, the magic of the idea of compound marketing, is that's where it builds brand loyalty and trust and, you know, the longevity of the brand is, is where the value really lies. I mean, you just think about Apple, for example, you know, like they put yeah. so much time and attention into their, their design and their brands. And now you've got people similar to Black Ops by the sound of it who are lining up down the street and saving their place in the line when a new product's released, you know? Yeah, I and, and they're, you know, they're, they're the most valuable company in the world as, as a result of selling a handful of very expensive, uh, well-designed products. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I think the, the compounding thing is, is the key because if, if you're going to have a, something you put a lot of effort to, into in terms of your brand, then there has to be, it can't be just how it looks. It, there has to be more substance to it. And with, with ours, you know, our brand is very much around this idea that, you know, a bunch of mates started this brewery and we've been transparent about everything we've done. We've, we've tried to help other people start breweries. We've put out a lot of content that kind of, you know, digs into what we're doing, helps other people do the same thing. We're really close with the community that we've built and, that all helps the brand and, and the brand all helps the community and it kind of compounds against each other. Whereas the alternative is a slippery slope of kind of cheap design, discounting beer, selling pay ads, which to me sometimes diminishes the brand in itself because you kind of constantly see that this company companies have to pay for attention. Um, 
and th- that seems to be like a, a vicious cycle spiraling downwards yeah. um which which I, I didn't really ever want <laughs> want to be part of yeah that's awesome okay so with brand i think it ties in nicely to this this next key element to compound marketing which is storytelling so how does how does that lead in to compound marketing yeah well uh, the storytelling thing happened to me by accident it wasn't really something i ever learned at university or um really i, I kind of feel like it was really never something people talked a lot about um, until recently. It, it, it certainly gets talked about a lot now, um, but it was never really on my radar until I just found myself, actually had a guy working for me who kind of said, um, you know, these income reports you're doing, they look a lot like the story arc of Cinderella. And I, I didn't even know what a story arc was, but um, when he said that, it kind of made me realise why this content I was putting out was actually powerful to people because I was in the middle of this story that was going up and down and heavily down and then eventually right up. Um, and other people were relating to it because they'd been in the same spot. Mm. And I could see very visually on the chart that I was tracking along the lines of very famous stories, which all have basically the same, yeah. the same uh, arc. Um, and so from that point forward, that was quite a few years ago. From that point forward, I started treating storytelling as something that I would deliberately build into what I was doing. And um, one of the key points I make in the book is it's not just, it's 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 not an, an, a disingenuous thing where you kind of like, let's make up a story, you know, about a beer, you know, like some guy stole a bunch of stuff and then we turn him into a hero and, and make a beer about him. Like, that's not what I'm talking about here. Like what what I'm talking about is actually telling genuine stories. And if you're not in the middle of a genuine story, making decisions as a business to put yourself into genuine stories, because you, you do have a choice what, what you work on and you, you can choose to work on something that's not particularly exciting, or you can choose to work on something that will be a great story. And um, we, we do that deliberately all the time. Like we had one example, I think I put in the book was we've got a, the Facebook ambassadors, um, often are suggesting beer ideas or like merch ideas or whatnot. Um, and we'll take those and make them from time to time, A, because it's good for the community to do that, but B, because it means you've got a hero that isn't us, that isn't our product of this little, little story that's important to them and important to that group that emerges as something that's exciting for the group and good for the brand because it turns into a product that we can sell. And and the decision to chase those little opportunities, knowing that they will turn into good stories um, is a deliberate decision that, that we make and and one that I think any entrepreneur can make if they understand the power of stories and they kind of look out for them. Yeah. I love that idea of not just seeing storytelling as a as a marketing tactic, you know, something that we need to come up with stories to tell instead to just allow yourself to live into the stories that are around you or that, that you're living, you know, and recognize yeah. it and use, use it, use the stories of your customers, of your community and use your own story. Like allow your story to be part of your marketing in a genuine and authentic way. I, I really, I love that. Yeah. And in the book I go into you know, the tactics of, of doing different types of stories, customer stories, or, you know, testimonials or product stories or, um, founding stories, all that kind of stuff. But um, I also make the point that 
this isn't one of those things where, you know, if you try your best and you just, you just actually, there is no interesting story. Like, like I read another book on storytelling that kind of said, you know, if you follow this exact framework, your business will be way more successful. And I think that it's not always the case, you, you know, like sometimes, sometimes there are no good stories and um, that's fine. Don't do, don't use storytelling. If that's the case, use something else, use, use the other three things. Um, but I think it's definitely worth looking at whether or not there is something interesting you can work on that, that will be, put you into a, an interesting story. Um, and in a lot of cases, I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look deep enough there, there is stories to be found. It's just about how you tell them. I mean, a lot of ways, but yeah, not just thinking, well, you know, there's no story here, I think. So let's talk about content then. So you, you've written a whole book about content marketing. We, we spoke at the beginning of this interview around the focus you've had on content marketing. So how does this play into the idea of compound marketing? Yeah, well, I, I kind of, I couldn't, I couldn't write a book about this sort of way of going about marketing a business without talking about content because it's such a key to what we do and it's such a key to what it seems like any modern kind of business does. Um, it's just changed, it's changed quite a lot. I, I think con Content Machine was written in 2015, I think maybe, um, which is five years ago now, but it's just forever in, when it comes to content. Like you look at the type of content that's doing well now and it just, to me, to me, my eyeballs on content has changed so drastically. Like, like back then I was listening to podcasts about business and reading blogs about tactics for marketing. Um, these days I spend hours on my phone on social media every day, which I shouldn't, but I do, I know I do because the bloody phone always reminds me and tells me how much time I'm wasting. Yeah. Um, and I consume a lot of sort of entertainment style content. Um, and I talk about this in the book, like with podcasts, um, the podcasts I listen to, like I listen to the, the two examples I'll give you is this week in startups and uh, pivots. Another one I listened to with Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher. I, these are, these are both podcasts about tech and startups and whatnot. Um, but there's a million podcasts about tech and startup and business. And there's, there's you know, millions of interviews and, and there's millions of experts. There's probably a thousand professors, but I, I, these guys are entertaining to me. I, Jake Al, I think is really entertaining to listen to. I, I'm a big fan. Scott Galloway is very entertaining, obviously very smart, but there's probably a lot of smart professors out there. Um, but these days the standards for content are so high that like it's not good enough to be the world's smartest business person to me. I won't listen to your podcast. I mean, I probably will if you've got a good guest on there and occasionally if you've got a topic that I'm really interested in, but the ones I listen to every week are the ones that are entertaining. And the the um, social media accounts that I follow, uh, you know, the ones that have got the spect like spectacular design and images and, and exciting stories and um, entertaining content. And, and so I think the standards now have gone up so much and the type of content that is getting your attention has changed so much that um, it's worth looking at again. And I think if, if I was to write content machine again, it would be vastly different because it would all be about social media um, and, and the brands. And I, I know for our brand, like, like with WP Curve, we did zero social media. It was, it was all written content and a podcast and going on other people's podcasts. That's the only marketing we did. Yeah. Um, with Black Ops, we do do a podcast, we do do a blog, but by far and wide, the most amount of attention we get for any of our content 
is Facebook group posts, Instagram posts, Instagram stories, Facebook posts. That's it's probably it's probably ninety nine percent of the eyeballs we get. Um, you know, every day we've got six, we've got six Instagram accounts now. I think five Instagram accounts. Um, we're trying to post proper posts once or twice a day on the main account and also post on the other accounts and then also post multiple stories on the main account. So you're talking about thousands of posts in a, potentially in a given month um, and thousands, tens of thousands of eyeballs. You know, we've got, I think we're up to 26,000 followers on the main account and that's, that's our content now. That's, that's, that's the stuff that people see when they're reminded about our brand. Um, and that's been a massive shift from when I first wrote the content machine book. So I did talk about social media a little bit in this book and, and, and also just tried to focus in on, you know, regardless of what the tactic is, content's always going to be important. And you can, again, compound things across brand and story and content um, and community by creating content specifically for different community groups and creating content that looks really good and creating content that tells little stories and then it all compounds together. And that's what we try to do. And that's what I, I try to teach in the book. Yeah. I think that, you know, what you're, what you're saying there is particularly in comparison to say 2015, if we go back five years, the, the demand on people's attention is so much higher these days, you know, like just the average consumer, you know, like, as you say, we're, we're spending so much more time engaging on platforms and so many more businesses are creating lots of content. So there's a lot of content that's demanding our attention. And what that results in is, is a divided attention, you know, of your, yeah. of your customers, of your audience. And so, it all shifted to the phone too, which, which, yeah. which was one of those things where I remember for as long as I can remember, it was like, you know, mobile websites are going to be a thing. And it was like dot Moby and, you know, every website we built, we were like, oh, is it responsive? That came in, like, is your website responsive? But I would, I would always look at the Google analytics for my customers, because this is back when I had an agency and I had 100, 200 customers and I had access to all the analytics and very few of them were getting traffic from mobiles. It, it, it just took a long, it felt like it took a long time after we started talking about the importance of mobiles to actually translate into eyeballs. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, these amazing phones that you have now became so mainstream that, and the apps on the phones, more importantly, like, like pe people, are not so much going to websites anymore. They, they, they've got the apps that are so good at stealing your attention um, that now, you know, all the attention has gone to the phone and that changes drastically what kind of content works. Yeah. I think this even more uh, solidifies the importance of thinking about your content in that compounding marketing way because if you're just thinking about content as a one and one and Gun, run and gun, one and one. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying one to say. One and done? One and done. <laughs> Thank you. Run and gun, one and done, whatever it is. If, if it is a one and done kind of an approach to content, then, and you're not thinking about the long game of building community and, and getting people to want to come back to your content and want to engage in that compounding way, then it's going to be ignored. It's not, it's not yeah, going to get the and, attention. And, I think, and you've got to, the, the tricky thing with social media too is that these accounts can go irrelevant very quickly. And I've seen it with my own. Once I sort of started um, not doing my personal brand anymore, I just completely neg neglected my accounts. And my Instagram was was around 10,000 followers, I think. It's now down to 8,500. I get zero traction on my Instagram. It doesn't matter what I put on there. I've just stopped caring about it. And the, the account just kind of dies off in relevance. Um, so you really need to be onto um, 
that kind of ongoing compounding approach to it because these things that are incredibly valuable can just go to zero very easily if, if, you, if you're not careful. Um, and yeah, I, I used to think about content in mainly as blog posts and, and podcast episodes where you, you were trying to create hits, you know, you, you were sort of thinking, okay, what's, what's a topic that would go really well? What, what's some content I can write really well and, you know, get a whole lot of visits on my blog for. And I remember over hundreds and hundreds of blog posts, I really only had three or four hits and, and when, when it would happen, it would be great. Um, but these days that our approach to creating content is just an ongoing telling of a story and it, and it never ends. Um, and that whole approach is very different to, to the way I used to think about content. And, and we still do the, the kind of the, the hit making approach as well. I, I'm still trying to write blog posts that are going to interest people and they're going to go really well on the blog and get, get the eyeballs. But um, you know, that's something we might do once or twice a month. Whereas the other stuff is something we're doing 20, 30 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. All right. So I think we need to kind of bring it down to what I believe in my understanding underpins all of this kind of compounding effect to your marketing, which is who those people you're trying to reach, right? Those customers, that community. So the final yeah. um, aspect to compound marketing you mentioned in your book is community. Can you talk about the importance of that? Yeah. So you're right. It, it, it all comes back to, you know, if, if brand is, is sort of what people feel about your business or your product, then the, who those people are is extremely important. And, and that, that's, that's what I mean by community. And I, and I could have used any words that describe a group of people instead of community. I just prefer the word community, but you know, you could use audience or market segment or, 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 or any, any number of those words, but I like the word community because um, I see it as the people that care about the brand that we're building become almost like, like a sort of outsource marketing department that are, organically growing this content for you that is helping a lot of people and it's entertaining people and it's engaging them in the story, but it's also helping our business. And it means we don't have to hire a marketing team or a marketing consultant. Um, and the, I suppose the, the key concepts in the book that I look at is, is, is where, where are you going to engage your community? Um, and for us, there's an obvious one in the tap rooms. We've got four, we've got three of them now and, and doing one more. Um, but there's a lot of other places we engage communities as well. We've got email lists with, with very, very um, filtered kind of groupings of people. We've got the Facebook group, which is another group of people. We've got the homebrew club. Um, we've got, you know, wholesale customers. There's, there's a whole range of different places we engage with our community. There's just general social media, which is, which is absolutely a legitimate way of engaging with the community and probably the main way your listeners are going to do it. Um, and the other part of it is, um, how, so, so how can you create content that is going to appeal to these different groups of communities? So, so the, some of the ones I mentioned, like we've got people who buy our homebrew kits. We've just launched one today, our pale ale. We put our recipe out there. We've got kits. You can build it at home. Then we do a competition. You can win a little pin and discount beer for a year if, if you win the comp. Um, the people, this kind of content that we do around the homebrew comps and the, the recipes, putting the recipes out there, the how to brew articles, the stories, the judging, all that kind of stuff is only really appealing to this small community of homebrewers. And then when we do a, a release, we only have 75 of these products. We, we tend to sell them all. Um, but we're talking about a small group of people. Yeah. Um, and, and a topic that 
most of the other sort of groupings of communities that we deal with have zero interest in, you know, like unless you're a home brewer, if, you, if you're drinking Black Ops down the surf club, you, you, you don't care about how to make it. Um, but it's, it's powerful to divide these communities up and create specific content for them because then the brand becomes much more relevant to those groupings of people. And in some cases, the small groupings are much more powerful than the large groups anyway. And I've found that with Facebook groups to be especially true. Um, the, the, the larger the group, the harder it is for, for that group to be useful and to be a great community. Um, so yeah, the, the idea of not just creating a brand and content for, you know, one community, but, but really working out how you can be super useful for certain groupings of the community. And, and one way is by creating content and having, you know, local meetup groups or whatever, but other ways are just, just more segmenting of your email lists. That's something we do with active campaign. That's been immensely powerful. Um, having different styles of content for different social media uh, platforms and accounts. Like, like we've got a Taprooms account and we've got a main Black Ops account and we have the Taprooms account because there's a lot of people who just come in here and they care about what's happening here at this physical venue. And um, it, this, that's not necessarily relevant to someone who's following the main Instagram account. So yeah. working out how to get to those people in a productive and useful way, once you break them down, can be enormously powerful. And, and that's that's some of the stuff I talk about in that chapter. Yeah, it's really interesting. And so what I'm hearing you say is don't just think of your entire potential customer base or target audience, to use marketing terms, as your community, you know, um, but instead look for opportunities to foster more engaged communities in areas of like-minded interest within your target base, right? Your target yeah, and sometimes the, sometimes the smaller the better. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of of even just specifically, like I don't I don't often ask for advice on things because I think it's a real trap for entrepreneurs. But with content, I do like the idea of going into the group and saying, like, are there any topics that you are particularly interested in and you would like us to dig into? And I did this just last night in our Facebook group and got a whole bunch of replies of stuff I hadn't thought of that would make really great pieces of content and I know when I create that content um, there's at least going to be a handful of people who who will enjoy it because they've told me they will um, but also they know it's coming now because I've, I've said yeah that's a great idea I'm going to write this content so you're sort of doing a little bit of pre-marketing for the content as well um, and, and it's sort of like a you're looking for product market fit with your content it's, it's like when you have a business and you're like well what product do I have to make for that customer to like it enough to pay me enough money for it that I'm going to make a profit. That's, that's what every business is. Um, and every startup is in the business of trying to find that product market fit and content is very much the same. It's, it's, you know, how there's a reason why not every single piece of content is a massive hit because you don't have that product market fit for the content. So the, the closer you can get to the communities, the, the more active you can be in the communities and the, the, you know, the, the more you can break them down, um, the, better, the closer you can get to creating content that fits those community groups perfectly well and it will be enormously more, more powerful than it otherwise would be. I think what I really love about that, um, that paradigm shift when you think about the use of communities or the value of communities in, in your marketing is if you think of your target audience traditionally as like a, a group of people who you can market to or who are in your audience segment, it's, ve it's very much like the mindset of like a – one to many it's kind of like we are the brand you are our audience we will deliver our stuff to you right whereas could the <clears> idea of community really when you think about what it, what it means is it, it's 
being part of something and having a say, having a voice as well. And you can't do yeah. that if it's like everybody all in one community because no one wants to speak up when it feels like they're just another voice in the crowd. Um, so the idea of having those and fostering those engaged communities means that people actually feel connected in a two-way relationship with the brand, which I think is beautiful. Perfect. Yeah, and, and it ultimately means, I mean, at the end of the day, my job is to run a company that makes money. And, and you know, it's that's every entrepreneur's job. That's, that's their only job. Um, and um, if we've got a situation where we've got communities of people that care a lot about our brand, it means they're going to pay what we need them to pay for the product in order for us to make a profit and stay in business and keep everyone in jobs and pay back our investors one day. Yep. Um, so, so that's ultimately that's what it comes down to. If, if you've got content that is engaging communities and is elevating your brand, it's going to result in a stronger business that can sustain itself. And that's, that's why we're here. That's what it's all about, right? That's what we're in business for. So I love that. And, and I love this idea of compound marketing and, and the way that it frames what is effectively just good, good marketing now in 2020 and I guess moving on as well. And um, I love the way that you framed it. I love the stories that you tell throughout the book as well. And I encourage people to pick up a copy of the book um, and let people know where they can grab a copy of Compound Marketing. Yeah, so my books are only on Amazon. Um, I, don't, I don't sell them anywhere else. I've also got audio books on Audible, which I talk through myself. And if you've listened to this podcast, you probably figured out that I talk pretty fast. So if you, if you don't want to listen to me talking really fast, then don't get the audio book. But Put him on half speed. I mean, pe pe <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. People have, people have told me they like the audio books and they actually sell quite well. So I, I um, assume that's a, an, an option that people like as well, but the, the compound marketing one isn't published yet. I think I just need to wait for audible to publish it, but it's all recorded and ready to go. Um, and yeah, and if you do, if you do read it, I'd appreciate a review. I, I sort of, I, I didn't do really much marketing for this book. I'm just doing podcasts now because I kind of just reminded myself that it's not enough to just produce something. You need to tell people about it. You've got to market um, it. Yeah, but, but my, you know, my kind of personal brand book writing stuff I see as a hobby, really. It's not, it's not something I'm, you know, trying to monetize. Um, but yeah, if, if you do read it, I would love a review because it helps more get more eyeballs on the book and. I appreciate that. Awesome, Dan. Thanks for coming on and sharing your, your wisdom around compound marketing and for the value that you put out into the world through your books and, and your beer. I appreciate you for <laughs> both of those things. And, um, and yeah, thanks for joining me on the show today. And I do encourage people to go and grab a copy of compound marketing and reach out to Dan, let him know that you heard him on the podcast and that you enjoyed the book. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, mate. I enjoyed it. Very good. Cheers. Talk soon. All right, and big thanks to Dan Norris for joining me on this episode. The show notes and links to Dan's book, The Compound Marketing, you'll find at the show notes page for this interview at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 171. And I appreciate you for listening. If you haven't yet left a rating and a review for the show, I would love you to do that. Every rating, every review helps this show reach more people so that I can keep doing what I do and love bringing these episodes to you each and every week. So I appreciate you if you can leave me a rating and a review at engagevideomarketing.com slash iTunes. That'll take you to the Apple Podcast Store and you can just follow the prompts there. And I'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I appreciate you for being a listener to the show and I'll be back in your eardrums 
next week. See you then.